Good morning to my church family. I want to say I love you all and I thank y'all for everything y'all have done. Thank you for your calls. Thank you for everything. You just don't know how much that means. When you have a church family that loves you deeply, deeply, that means a lot. And I just want to say, church family, this is a time that we have to come together. This is a time that even though we're not sitting in our normal setting, but we're around each other. So let's just send love out deeply. Not only to our church family, but everybody else around us. And Missy, I have to thank you for allowing pastors to just to be the man he is. I mean, you know, I know he just stay away from you a lot, but just keep holding on, Missy. He's going to be all right. Now let us pray. Gracious and almighty wise God, we're here today, O oh Lord, just to thank you for another day's journey. Thank you for how you just take care of us. Thank you for how you bring us together. Thank you, Lord, for your love, your kindness. Thank you for your understanding. Lord, we even thank you for your grace. We get grace every day, a brand new grace. And, and Father, you just keep on blessing us over and over again. And Lord, I just wanna thank you, one eternal God, for my family. Thank you for just blessing me, O oh Lord. And, and Lord, I, I promised myself today that I wasn't going to be a crybaby, but, you know, sometimes I, I'm a grown man. I cry a lot, but that's okay, too. And let me know that I have feelings. I just want to thank you, God, for everything that you're doing in my life. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you for the Father, the Son. Thank you for Jesus, and thank you for the Holy Spirit. One eternal God, we just want to say thank you. Amen.
Thank you, Ella. I hope everybody enjoyed that time of worship. And uh, and now we'll, we'll jump in to encourage one another. Yeah, well, let, let me back up just a little bit and remind everybody, <clears throat> at least um, from my perspective, the reason for this for this series. And, and really, it's because we are in this um, unique time in history uh, where we're, you know, social distancing. Some of that is changing. Um, you know, our, our city lifted the, the order and uh, the the state has now lifted the order. And yesterday I was driving around. And I was like, boy, that didn't take long. Yeah. I mean, man, traffic <laughs> just overnight. Just wow. You know. So we're so we're slowly moving, uh, moving up or moving out. And um, and I talked to a reporter earlier in the week who who was doing a story on when should churches start meeting again. Um, and so you know, there's different ideas about what that'll look like. But uh, but the idea was that while we're in this unique time where we're not meeting together what are some things we can do as a church that would help us to be the church and that's where the idea is well you know what these one another statements we can practice from a distance Um, and so if we could put these one another statements into practice now then when we do come back together uh, we would have seen that this was not this has not been wasted time and uh, and so that was kind of the idea of it and so far uh, this is part three of the series if you're if you're keeping a scorecard uh, you know, we had an introduction where we talked about the church and the nature and the character of the church, and then last Sunday was love one another, and uh, and today uh, is encourage one another. So I want to start off with a story that was in the paper this week, and uh, it's not this story is not an encouraging story by any means, but but I think it helps sets the stage of um of why it's so important that we look out for each other and encourage each other, and maybe and maybe you saw this story, but the headline of a uh, of the news story, and this was all over the internet, was a top ER doctor who treated virus patients dies by suicide, and uh, and so you know I, I read the article, and here's just some some parts of that article. A top emergency room doctor at a Manhattan hospital that treated many coronavirus patients died by suicide on Sunday, and that would have been April 26, so last last Sunday. Uh, I'm not going to tell her name. You can you can look it up, um, but but anyway. Um, this, this lady was a met, the medical director of the emergency department at New York Presbyterian Allen Hospital, and she died in Charlottesville, Virginia, where she was staying with family. Her father, who's also a medical doctor, said that she had described to him devastating scenes of the toll the coronavirus took on patients. Her particular hospital in the middle of New York had a, uh, an incredibly high number of deaths, and, she, and, uh, and so she was... She saw she saw all of that, and so her dad said this about her. He said she tried to do her job and it killed her. Um, and so her dad went on to say that his daughter had contracted the coronavirus but had gone back to work after recuperating for about a week and a half, and then the hospital sent her home again. And so I think there may be a part of it. You know, she felt like she's called to help people and now. She's not being able to help people. And so her family intervened and drove up to New York, got her, and brought her back to, to uh, Charlottesville, Virginia. Uh, she was 49 years old. Uh, her father said there was no history of mental illness, um, and that the last time he spoke with her, again, she seemed detached, she seemed withdrawn, and he knew something was wrong, but not exact, nobody expected this uh, to happen. And so this uh, uh, doctor, um, I'm not saying that the coronavirus caused it or anything, but I, but I can imagine in my mind you're treating, you're treating people, you're seeing death, and then you want to keep helping, but then you're told you can't help, and, and who knows what other back issues may have been going on. But, but she got to that place uh, where she thought the only way out uh, was, to take, was to take her life. 
Um, and again, I don't know what was going on around her, but I use that story just to, to kind of remind us and remind me that people all around us need encouragement. You never really know what another person is going through or, or what it is that they're hiding or, or you know, what, what they're suppressing. Or, um, and just you never know what a kind word of encouragement uh, can do to, some, to someone. And I think, uh, again, because of the situation that we're in with so much uncertainty, financial uncertainty, job uncertainty, health uncertainty, with so much uncertainty today, more than anything else, what people need today is encouragement. You know, maybe more so than any time in recent memory, uh, encouragement is, is much needed. And, and there have been reports and studies about uh, during this time over the last, you know, six weeks or so, the, the increase in, in suicide. Um, and so let's remember to encourage each other. These can be incredibly stre- stressful, anxious, discouraging days. And, um, and there's no doubt that our hospital workers and grocery store workers and trash collectors and uh, those people who are, who are essential. And I was listening to a sermon yesterday where the, where the pastor was, was talking about it. It's really interesting. Um, just a, a, you know, a few weeks ago, we would call these people service people. They're there to serve us. And now we're calling them essential, <laughs> you know. It's like, okay, and and he brought up the fact that Jesus said the the least among you will be the greatest, and it kind of seemed like, well, yeah, that's kind of interesting. That you know, now doctors and nurses have always had respect, uh, but uh, I think I, you know I've learned to respect the grocery store workers a whole lot because they're there every day, um, and so and so there's no doubt that those people are heroes. However, <clears throat> um. There is, um, all of us still need to be encouraged. There, we have this need to be encouraged and to, and to um, give encouragement. And, um, and so consider this. Um, sometimes in a parade, uh, the heroes are not the ones who are marching, but the ones standing along the road clapping and encouraging the bands to keep moving. And so, you know, yes, this person is a hero, but to that person who we think is a hero, you may be the hero because you said the right word at the right time uh, that, that helped them to continue on. So we can all be heroes uh, by clapping and encouraging and, and, uh, um, and you know, just encouraging people to keep going, keep going. Don't give up. You, you know, you are worth something. You're created in the image of God. There's a purpose for your life. All those kind of things um, would make us all heroes if, um, if we would just do that, just encourage each other. And I think maybe that's the idea behind this verse of Scripture in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, where the writer of Hebrews says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, so they're like on the sidelines watching us, you know, since we're surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. And so the writer is saying, look, we got these people in the grandstands, um, you know, alongside the road, clapping and encouraging us, so that we can run with perseverance the race uh, that is that is uh, has been laid out for us. And so, um, you know, that encouragement is just a powerful thing. I'll stop there. See if you have anything you want to jump in. No, I, just, I I really like that the the image of, you know, we we think of the the hero as the one in the spotlight, um, yet it's not necessarily so. So you can, and it's not a full-time 24-7 job. It's being available and in that moment and at the right time with the right words, at the right moment, you are the hero in that moment. And, it, yeah. and, you know, and to that person. And to that person, yeah. It, yeah. Makes, it makes a 
world of difference. I had a conversation with the lady, and this again, this is not about me because there's so many people involved. Um, but uh, one of the the ladies who is who has been staying in the hotel, a homeless lady, a young lady who yeah. stayed in the hotel uh, for the last, uh, she's been there the, almost the entire time, and and I was talking to her yesterday, and she was in tears uh, that you know saying if if we would not have provided that room for her, she thinks she would be dead, you know. Um, and so in her mind, she was at the end of, of her rope, and uh, and she made a phone call and has received encouragement. Uh, she's on our list in our grant program to try to help find a house. Um, and so, you know, and I think about that, and, and, and on the one hand, all we did was, hey, come stay in this room. But from her perspective, it was life and death. And, uh, and so, and so, you know, I hope all of you have had a situation where you've said something to somebody and you didn't really think anything about it. And then a week later, a month later, a year later, they come back to you and said, you know, I want to thank you because you don't know what I was going through. And that word of encouragement that you gave me just, you know, made all the difference in the world. And, and if you've had that experience and you know, it's quite humbling because you were like, I, I didn't, I didn't know I was doing anything. Yeah. And that's, uh. That's evidence of God working through your life to help to help somebody else, even if you didn't know it. And so that's the idea of encouragement. But but what does it really mean to encourage? Well, the dictionary defines encouragement as words or actions that give someone confidence or hope, and that, that's a good definition. Uh, you know, somebody's losing hope, losing confidence, and you tell them something, and they have it. But but really, if you break the word down, I think it really creates a a better picture of what it means. The word encourage is a compound word made up of two words. I think they're Latin, but I'm not positive about that. Um, and so the, the first word is in, E-N, which means um, to put in something, to put inside. Um, and then, of course, the word courage. And so literally then, to encourage someone means to put courage inside of them. And, and I, I just love that picture, that it's like somebody is struggling um, they're not sure what to do, and then you come alongside and you and you pour courage into their life so that they can take the next step that they need to take. Um, and, and to me, that's powerful, and that's what uh, it means um, to encourage someone. It, when someone is despondent and doesn't want to continue, and you encourage them, you pour courage into them so they can keep going. When a person wants to give up and they want to quit and they're feeling sad and they're feeling weak and they're feeling anxious, the idea that a simple word of encouragement will pour courage into them to help them take that next step uh, is a powerful thing. And, and this verse is, is really a, a good verse. It's Proverbs chapter 12, verse 25, and it's coming from the New Living Translation, uh, but it really states it well. It says, worry weighs a person down, and all God's people say amen. <laughs> you know, worry can weigh you down. An encouraging word cheers you up. You know, that's so beautifully stated. And so it should, it should come as no surprise that the Bible tells us that as a church and as followers of Jesus, we are to encourage one another. Um, and so, you know, life can be difficult. It can be scary. It can be anxious. And we need to commit ourselves to, you know what, I want to be an encourager. I want to encourage people because I know I need encouragement. And so I want to encourage people. And so 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 is where we're going to go. And I want to give a little background um, to it. So open your Bibles to 1 Thessalonians, and we'll look at some verses leading up to chapter 5. But the key verse for today is 1, Corinthians, or 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 11, where Paul says, 
therefore encourage one another and build each other up. So he kind of says it twice. Encourage each other, build them up. And then I like this because he's writing to the church at Thessalonica. And he says, just as in fact you are doing. And so it's really, if you think about it, here's Paul saying, encourage one another, build each other up. And then what does he do? He gives them a word of encouragement. You're already doing this. Mm-hmm. Keep keep going. Um, and, and so that's just a beautiful way of looking at it. Encourage each other. Oh, and you already are an encourager. Um, and so, but let's back up just a little bit and put Thessalonians in, in its context so that we can really see what he meant when he said encourage each other. Paul founded the church in Thessalonica, uh, northern Greece, um, on his second missionary journey. And the story of the founding of that church is, is in uh, Acts chapter 17, the first nine verses. It talks about him going there and going to the local synagogues, which was his custom. And then as a result of that, a church was formed. Um, and so, but even though it started, even though he would always go to the synagogue first, uh, a lot of times the Jewish people in the city would reject Paul. And so the the church in Thessalonica was primarily made up of, of um, Greeks, Gentile believers, not, not Jewish believers. And there was one person in the city who was Jewish who, who started harassing them from that. And so just that just, that just kind of happened from that time. But the church was mainly Gentile believers. And Paul stayed there for a few weeks, the best that we can tell from that story in Acts. But then he had to leave because this Jewish leader wanted them arrested. And in fact, when they left... One of the leaders in that young church was arrested um, and, and spent some time uh, being ridiculed and so forth. And the reason, you know, I want to go down a rabbit hole here just for a second um, because we talk about Paul being arrested and, um, and a lot of the early Christians being arrested. At least in that first generation after Jesus, you know, the Apostle Paul and others, you know, we usually say, well, they were arrested for preaching the gospel. And that's true, but it was a little bit more specific. Uh, the reason that... that um, the early Christians would be arrested is, is the same reason that Jesus was crucified. If you remember, the, the, the Jewish leaders went to the Romans um, and said, Jesus is claiming to be king, and we have no king but Caesar. And so that was treason, and so then the, which was punishable by death. And then with the, early, with the early Christians, it was the same way. And in this story in particular, if you read Acts, you, 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 will, you will see where this Jewish leader was going to the local authorities and saying, these people are saying that Jesus is king, and we believe that Caesar is king. And so that phrase, Jesus is Lord, that you see in the New Testament, was a powerful phrase. It was a spiritual phrase. It was a theological phrase, but it was also a political phrase because when the believers would say Jesus is Lord, what they were saying is Caesar is not, and that would have been considered treason, and so then the Roman authorities or any authority could, could come and arrest you. Um, and, and, you know, you, you can say it was because I was teaching Jesus, but if you ask the Roman authorities, they say it had nothing to do with what he was teaching. It was this profession. That yeah, we got a phone call from the hyper-religious that said. That said, hey, this, mm-hmm. guy, this guy is saying Jesus, um, Jesus is the president, um, and, and we know that's not true, and that's going to cause, tru- cause trouble. Uh, and so that's kind of the idea. So you don't think the, the Romans would have necessarily registered the gospel as a, as a threat to them yeah, they had the religious not. Yeah. Uh, yeah they interesting. Could, they could have cared less what um, Paul was teaching. They could have cared less really what Jesus was teaching. What got their attention was people saying, he claims to be the king of the Jews. 
And that's Caesar's role. And then as far as fellow, and you really see this. But in the I book doubt of they really cared what Caesar's role was. It yeah, they seemed. didn't really care. And you really see this in Revelation, really, yeah. really strong, where where that's what was causing a lot of the problems and the persecution uh, was that. And and also from the believer's perspective, saying Jesus is Lord is not like what we say it. Like you know, Jesus is the Lord of my life, and praise God. But I'm still going to go do what I want to do. Yeah. That that statement, Jesus is Lord, was turning your back on the empire. You know, and so you could not say Jesus is Lord and Rome is really, really great. You know, that would be, that, that, that wouldn't work out. It was Jesus is Lord, boom, nothing else matters. And uh, that's what got them in trouble. And, and uh, from their perspective, it was a theological, uh, you know, confessional faith element. Uh, but from society's perspective, it was a political statement that, that meant rebellion. And, uh, but anyway... And so, and so you see, and so Paul started this church. Um, they immediately started to get harassed, harassed, uh, and they were going to get arrested. So they left, and but then this one Jewish leader, this one leader in the church, was arrested. And it says very clearly what we just said: he claims Jesus is Lord, and we know Caesar is. Um, all right, and so, and so that was kind of the early part of the church. And so, having to leave in haste, since Paul was only there a few weeks and had to leave, well, then Paul became very concerned about this young church. He hadn't really had time to, uh, to to get it started. And so he knew they were suffering. And you see this in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 6, where Paul says, You became imitators of us and of the Lord in spite of severe suffering. You welcomed the message with joy given by the Holy Spirit. Now, there are some scholars that say that really the suffering they were going through would not have been so much physical because the, the, the persecution didn't start really until the 60s A.D., and this would have been around the 50s A.D., so it was another 10 years away. But rather, the suffering was harassment, uh, was ridicule, was alienation. Because now, if I claim to follow Christ, my family may turn their back on me. You know, and so that was the suffering, this idea of alienation and, and you know, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. We know that's not true. <laughs> You know, and so that that was the, this this harassment, this threat of arrest, the suffering that they that they were going through, um, and so um, at least twice then Paul said that um, that he tried to go back to Thessalonica to strengthen the church, and this is in chapter two, verses seventeen and eighteen, and uh, he says he says at least twice I've tried to go back to you, but then he says he was prohibited by Satan from doing that. Now, I don't know what that means. I don't know what he was talking about. We're not told. There was another time in the missionary journey where Paul wanted to go in one direction, uh, and, and he says he was prohibited by the Spirit. And so he went to another direction. And, uh, but now on this occasion, he said, I've tried to come to you twice, but Satan has prevented it from happening. Uh, and so um, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 6, we read then that Paul sends Timothy to check on the church. Okay, so Timothy goes and checks on the church, and then he comes back and gives Paul a report. Um, Timothy's report was mostly positive. They were doing really, really well considering the circumstances. And uh, it was mostly positive. Uh, but one thing, But there was one thing in the church that the people were concerned about and that they were confused about. And, and so Paul is writing this letter to encourage them. The whole theme of the letter is really encouragement. And what they were concerned and confused about was what happens to our loved ones uh, who, who are Christians. What happens to them 
um, when they die, especially since they're dying before Christ returns. So that, that was their concern. It may sound odd for us that that was a concern, uh, but that was the concern of, the, of this church. Um, you see, the first Christians, Paul included, believed very, very strongly that Jesus was going to return in their lifetime. You know, I mean, that, that, was a, that was a huge belief, and there's a lesson there. All of us should live with this knowledge that Jesus could, could come at any time. And, and basically, you know, every generation basically needs to preach uh, that Jesus is going to come back in our lifetime, you know, just because of the urgency of it. And so these first Christians, they really believed that Jesus was going to return um, in, in their lifetime, or at least before they died and before a lot of them died. And so now they had it. These were young Christians. They had this belief that Jesus was coming back soon, but yet he hadn't returned. <laughs> Think about that. You're only talking about a few years. <laughs> now we're 2,000 years. But he hasn't returned, and people were dying. And so they, they were discouraged, and, and confusion set in. What happened? Wait a minute. I thought Christ was coming back. But yet my aunt died, my mom died, my dad died. What happens to them if they die before Christ returns? And so that was something that was really bothering them. And so Paul writes this letter to encourage them. And so beginning in chapter 4, verse 13, and continuing through chapter 5, verse 11, Paul discusses death, resurrection, and the second coming of Jesus. Okay, um, and, so, and so he writes in chapter 4, verse 18, after he talks about um, basically, I'll, I'll summarize this. You can read it later, but, but this passage of Scripture is oftentimes read at funerals um, because it talks about, you know, those who die before you, um, they go to God, they go, and then we wait for the Lord to come back, and we're going to meet him in the air. And so there's an old hymn about meeting Jesus in the air uh, from that. Uh, but basically, Paul is saying your loved ones are okay, and if you're alive when Christ returns, the trumpet sound of God, all that, we're going we're gonna to be ushered into the presence of God, and our loved ones will be there, and, um, and, we'll be, and we'll be with Jesus forever. And then he says in chapter 4, verse 18, therefore, encourage each other with these words. And so thinking about, this is odd, because thinking about death uh, should encourage us, because we know to be absent in the body is to be present with the Lord. Uh, to think about um, the resurrection you know, our own bodies being resurrected when Christ returns should encourage us. And thinking about the second coming of Christ should not scare us. It should encourage us. You know, and so he says, encourage each other with these words. So he's talking about death and resurrection, and he's saying, be encouraged. And then in chapter 5, verse 1, he goes into a section where he's basically repeating the words of Jesus and, and talking about times and dates and how, you know, don't, you can't predict when Christ is coming back. He may come back, he may not. No one knows for sure. It's like a thief in the night. And so he's repeating Jesus' word now about the second coming. When is Christ going to come back? And then at the conclusion of that section, <clears throat> in chapter 5, verse 11, he says, Therefore, <clears throat> encourage one another and build each other up just as you are doing. So this idea of encouraging one another came out of the fact that the people were confused, um, the people were uh, concerned, they were worrying, um, and he uses the second coming of Christ uh, and says, encourage each other with this. And so the believers in Thessalonica were experiencing social isolation 
they were being harassed and ridiculed and cut off from their family and friends. They were confident Jesus was coming back sooner rather than later, but Jesus had not yet returned. Their loved ones were dying. They were losing hope. They were worried about the fate of deceased Christians in chapter 4, verses 13 through 18. But they were also concerned about the fate of living Christians, which is what he addresses in chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. So, So here's the point. <clears throat> I've noticed the last few weeks doing this, I cough more doing this than I do preaching. <laughs> <coughs> I don't know what, what that is. It's me. Yeah, I'm allergic to you, man. But be encouraged. Yeah, okay. <laughs> but, but here's the point. Um, these Christians in Thessalonica were caught in the harsh realities and uncertainties of living in the now and not yet of God's kingdom. They were anxiously waiting for Christ to return. Christ had not returned, and life was becoming difficult. Um, And Paul writes this letter to encourage them. And so that's where we are. We are still living in the now and not yet of the kingdom of God. We're still living, waiting for Christ to return, and life can get difficult. And it has been difficult the last six weeks especially. Um, life can be harsh, we can be harassed and ridiculed, we can be disconnected and discouraged. And so their times are similar to ours. If they needed encouragement, we need encouragement. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just in fact you are doing. Let's stop there for a second to see if you have anything you want to add, and I want to get a cough drop out. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I I don't want to go down a huge rabbit hole, uh, but the... Oh, why? We've done it before. Yeah, I know. I know. I mean, I, I think there is <laughs> still even uh, confusion, and I'm speaking for myself, like to have a, a full, clear understanding of, you know, what does happen to us who pass away before Jesus comes back and this worry of, you know, we're further away from Jesus' death than they were at the time, but even they were worried about what happens and I think a lot of people, either they don't even think about it at all, maybe even non-believers don't think about it, or believers just don't think about it, um, or some hyper-think about it and go, well, wh- you know, what what does really happen? And now as a dad, uh, you know, of, of a little kid going, i got to come up with answers to all of these questions that I'm going, yeah, it it is. Because I know that, you know, the Jewish faith had, faith had a, a, a different understanding of the afterlife, and then things changed with Jesus and you hear Paul, you know, kind of introducing a, a new philosophy to things. And then us as modern Christians, we either have a biblical version of it or a hybrid of, you know, some sort of fiction story of whatever we think, you know, you know, the whole statement of we become angels after you know, there's there's nothing biblical about humans. Not at all. But but it's become part of the mythology, you know, of the afterlife. God God, someone passes away, God took her to be another angel in his choir. You know, those those statements. So I think there just is a lot of confusion on what actually happens. And that, to me, can cause anxi- anxiety and questions. Yeah, yes, it can. And, and of course, you know, no one knows for sure. Right? Yeah, right. Um, but my understanding of what Scripture teaches is that when a believer dies, the body goes into the ground. The soul immediately goes into the presence of God is how the New Testament 
says it, and for all practical purposes, that's heaven, but it's not the final heaven. So the, the body goes into the ground, the soul goes into the presence of God uh, to await the return of Christ. <clears throat> then at the return of Christ, the body, the physical body is resurrected and reunited with the soul. Um, and, then, um, and then we go the new heaven and the new earth. Um, so eternal life really starts the moment you accept Christ. But when you die, you go into the presence of God, but then wait uh, for the resurrection. And then the opposite of a, of a non-believer, what Scripture says is the body goes into the ground and the soul goes into um, Gehenna, Hades, uh, which we interpret as hell, and there it waits for the resurrection. Then it's, their bodies are resurrected uh, and their souls re- reunite with the body and then they go before the judgment seat of, of God and then are cast into the lake of fire, the final, what Revelation says is the final death. At least you know, that's, that's it in a minute now. That, and that, again, you know, that's based on my understanding of Scripture, but no one has ever died um, and then uh, contacted back and said, this is what happened. Yeah. You know, the one time it may have happened was in the Old Testament where a, uh, the story of Saul who wanted to talk to, uh, um, <clears throat> I think it was Saul, but anyway, he, he wanted to talk to um, uh, Samuel and um, who had died. And so somebody tells him there's a sorcerer in the next town, a witch. Go talk to her. She talks to the dead. So she went and talked to her and said, I want to see, I want to talk to Samuel. And so she goes through her uh, routine of talking to a dead person, and Samuel actually shows up. <laughs> and the witch is scared to death because that has never happened before. She knew it was all a kind <laughs> yeah, thing. He's not on my payroll. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, so as far as I know, that, that's the only time in Scripture wow. that, that has happened. And, and the story in the New Testament that Jesus gives of the of Lazarus and the rich man um, and the, you know, and, and the, um, and basically the rich man says to Lazarus or says to Abraham or symbolically God, send somebody back from the dead and they'll believe you. And Jesus says, no, they won't. Even if God sent his son back from the dead, they're not going to believe. So he was given a, a prophecy about him coming back from the dead. So nobody, so Christ did come back from the dead, but this idea that that loved ones leave and then you can communicate with them um, is uh, is is not true. That doesn't mean that you don't have senses and good memories and you see something and it triggers a thought and then you and then you feel like that your loved one communicated to you through that. I mean that's psychological and nothing wrong with that. But uh, but just recognizing that you know a loved one actually come back and sit down and talk with me is uh, um, is not going to happen. But I can hear, we've had people in our church who have died who are, who were very close to me. And, and sometimes I'm reading the passage of Scripture and I'm reminded of that person and I can sense their spirit. You know, but I know it's not really their spirit. It's, I'm sensing it and God is comforting me with, with with that idea, if that makes any sense. But now we are down a rabbit hole. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're, we're, we're <laughs> well, you know, I, I can identify with, with the doctor in the story that you, that you said, just, just the being discouraged in life and, and circumstances, especially when you're in the thick of it like she was. And, you know, we're all kind of in the thick of something in our own little life. Yeah. Maybe we can go into some practical steps and moving forward on that. Yeah, and so, we're, you know, I, I, I thought it was important to give that background to, Thess, to, to Thessalonians just to kind of, when Paul said, encourage one another, this is what he was referring to. Uh, but yet, if you look at other passages of Scripture, um, which is what we're going to do as far as application. How do we apply this? Well, here's the question that I, that I want to ask and then try to answer. 
is what can a word and, I, and also a letter, because Paul wrote this letter, um, you know, for encouragement. So what can a word or a letter of encouragement do? And remember, to encourage means to put courage into someone. And so these application points are going to have to do with courage. But, but what can a word or a letter of encouragement do? And so, so here's just some things it can do. First, a word or letter of encouragement gives strength to persevere. And again, that's that passage in Hebrews that we've already looked at. This is we have this great cloud of witnesses who are cheering us on. Um, and, and the writer says the reason they do that is so that we can run with perseverance the race marked out for us. You know, and so people are struggling. You don't know maybe what you're going to do next. And somebody comes alongside and they give you a word of encouragement or, or you receive a letter of encouragement in the mail. And it's like, it's like man, wow. It rejuvenates you to just to keep persevering, just to keep persevering. And so a word or a letter of encouragement um, can give us the courage to keep going on. And so when people don't receive that encouragement, then feelings of isolation and depression can come, and, uh, um, and then it, it just builds on each other. I, you know, to me, depression is a real thing, and I've, ha- I've had to counsel people through that and, and help them get help. Um, but, but in my mind, I, I look at it as depression is like this hole and once you start going down into that hole, it is hard to, to, to get back out. And so the, the place you stop depression is before you get down in that hole, you know. And uh, easier said than done, I know, but, that, but we need to be sensitive to one another. And we see somebody starting to go down that path. That's when we, we got to step in early and, uh, and give them the encouragement and the help that they need. And so encouragement can give us courage to keep going. To keep going. Second of all, a word or a letter of encouragement can give us courage to love and serve. Because, again, I don't know why this is the case, but there are a few things more exhausting uh, than doing good and loving others. It is a whole lot easier to not worry about doing good and to be apathetic toward other people. You know, to say, you know what, I got my own problems, I don't have time to get involved in your mess. Uh, but if you if you start to love other people and serve other people, Man, it, 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 can, uh, it can wear you out uh, physically, mentally, uh, spiritually, and so forth. And so it can, be dis- it can be discouraging doing good and loving others, but yet you don't really ever see results. You know, um, Now that I'm in the nonprofit world a little bit more and uh, through, our, through our Franklin Community Development and looking for grants and looking for support to do the things that we do in the community, um, you know, everybody who, who wants to... Uh, like grants or you know or foundations, if they if they want to if they want to support your ministry or what you're doing, you have to report back to them and you have to give them measurable results. You know that's what they're looking for. I mean, return on investment, and and so much of what we do in the spiritual world of helping and ministering and praying and encouraging people, you can't measure that. You know, I mean, how do you how do you how do you measure? Well, I, I prayed for ten people today. What happened? Well, I, I don't know. I just prayed for them. Yeah. I don't. I don't know what you know. Uh, and so, and, and so, the only thing that we can do to encourage each other, um, it, it, only we can do is to encourage one another to keep going, to keep loving, to keep serving. I know it's rough. I know people are going to, uh, you know, most people are not going to be thankful. I know most people you, they're going to take advantage of you, but you keep doing it anyway, and uh, and that's what we need to hear. Uh, from people, and so uh, the Bible says in Galatians chapter six, verse nine, 
let us not grow weary in doing good. And I love that. So even the Apostle Paul, you know, he was probably weary of, of this. Let us not grow weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we don't give up. So he's saying just keep going, just keep going, keep loving, keep serving. It's going to pay off, it's going to pay off, just keep doing it. And then the writer of Hebrews says in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24, he says, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Now, I don't know if this is what the Greek word means, but when I hear spur, I think of riding a horse and you kick it in the sides, you know, with your, so that it'll keep going. And so sometimes we just need a kick in the pants. You know, just let's spur, let, what can we do to spur each other on to, to just keep, to keep doing good? Because it is so difficult um, to do good. And so a word or a letter of encouragement can give us courage to persevere. It can give us courage to love and serve. And then third, it can give us courage to overcome sin, which is real, a really neat, neat aspect of this. All right? Uh, again, the writer of Hebrews says in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 13, but encourage one another daily as long as it is called today so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. And so somehow or another, we give encouragement to one another. And, and we may not know what the person is going through. They may be battling with a, a particular sin. They may be, be battling with something. And just that word of encouragement gives them that courage they need to overcome for that day. Now, they may need encouragement again tomorrow. But for that day, it helps so that their heart doesn't become hard. You know, I, I've talked with people, and all sins are bad, so I'm not saying, you know, um, one sin is worse than another, but, I, but I've talked with some people who have been really down and out, homeless, drug addicts, alcoholics, and they just tell you no one cares. You know, no one cares. And, uh, and we got a thank you note from another lady who stayed in the hotel. Um, it was a thank you card, but then she wrote a note on the inside, and she said, thank you for not throwing us away. Now think about that. Here's a person who, who was feeling like that society is just throwing them away, you know. And so when we encourage people, we give them that to, to help them overcome that sin or overcome that obstacle or overcome whatever that is so they don't become hard-hearted and jaded. And so it's important that we encourage one another. Um, and so and so forth, the fourth thing then um, is is a word or letter of encouragement gives courage in the middle of struggles. So it can help us persevere, but sometimes what we need in the middle of the struggle is just a little push. And one of the stories I came across as I was reading the internet looking for illustrations uh, was this, and it was like encouragement is like teaching a child to swing. If you see a child sitting on a swing who's never swung before, right, you go behind them and you give them a, just a gentle nudge to get the swing going. And then pretty soon, they're pumping their legs. They're doing it themselves. They just needed that little push. And so that, that's the idea. If somebody's going through a struggle that I may or may not know about, all I'm, I'm not, I can't fix their problem. But I can come alongside and just give them a little push. And then they start the momentum, you know, and just that's encouragement to, to help you to keep going in the middle uh, of your struggle. And 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 16 through 18 says, Therefore, do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day for our light and momentary troubles. When well, he said light and momentary troubles 
are achieving for us an eternal glory that outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. And so let's review. Um, A word or a letter of encouragement gives courage to persevere, to love and serve, to overcome sin, and it gives us courage in the middle of our struggles. But there's one other aspect of of encouragement that I want to stress, um, and it's kind of different from the rest. And that is this. In the absence of a word or a letter of encouragement, which you may be in the middle right now, you're struggling and no one, you feel like no one's coming to uh, encourage you. In the absence of a word or letter of encouragement, we have to learn to encourage or put courage into ourself. So learn to put courage in yourself. Now, as strange as this may, may sound, um, Pastor KB, and I, I call him my personal pastor, our, our pastor on death row, but Pastor KB really taught me this, and I don't know if he knows he taught me this or not. We were just talking one day, and he brought up this passage of Scripture, and he, told, he was talking about how it can get discouraging, obviously, living in prison, and, and oftentimes you feel like you're all alone, and what he's had to learn was to encourage himself. And then he talked about some things. And so this idea really, really did come from him. Uh, but here's the passage of Scripture that KB referred to. It's, it's um, 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 6. It says, David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him. So that's, that's a bad day. Yeah. <laughs> you know, people want to stone him. got out of bed. <laughs> so, so David is distressed because people wanted to stone him uh, because the soul of all the people was grieved every man for his sons and his daughters. But David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. And that's, uh, again, 1 Samuel 30, verse 6, and that's the King James Version. David was distressed, and he encouraged himself in the Lord. So how do we do that? How do we encourage ourselves in the Lord? Well, well here's, here's a, just a few things, and I won't, lay, I won't stay on these a lot, just meant, but I'll just mention them. One is this, this is why a, having a regular quiet time is so important, where you get alone on a regular basis and you read your Bible and you pray and you just let God speak to you and minister you. That's how you encourage yourself in the Lord. A second way is scripture memorization. <clears throat> and again, I'm, I'm preaching to myself here. As a kid, I grew up having to memorize scripture and, and would go to uh, competitions of scripture memory and all of that. And uh, I don't do it like I should right now. I need to, to do it more. But there are times in my life to this day when... I'm going through a struggle, and all of a sudden, a verse of Scripture that I memorized as a kid comes back to my mind, and that helps encourage me to, to keep going. And so Scripture memorization, a continual prayer. The Bible says pray without ceasing, which means you can pray with your eyes open. You know, but to pray with that, to just be in this continual daily awareness that you can talk to God at any time about anything. And so continual prayer, and I would I would include in that that you know learn to journal, learn to write down what's going on. Um, so continual, continual prayer. Listen to praise music. One of the, one of the changes I've made during this six weeks um, is um, I don't listen to the news nearly as much as I used to because I found myself just getting really, really discouraged. Um, I, you know, I'll tune in once a day or so just to kind of get the headlines, but instead I'll listen to to gospel music. You know, just I get, get, get my mind off these and get them on, back on God. And so if you find yourself feeling a little discouraged, listen to 
some praise music. And, you know, if you and you can you can buy a CD if you want to, or you can XM Radio, iHeartRadio, you know, gospel Christian music, and you can you can. There's there's no excuse for not being able to listen uh, to to gospel Christian music anymore, and and you'll be amazed at how that happens. And there's a couple of songs I've, I mentioned in a sermon a while back. There's a song in Spanish <clears throat> that, for whatever reason, even I just know the title of the song, and it's about, you know, Holy Spirit, come. But, man, when I'm feeling down, I can listen to that song, you know, and and uh, just, wow. just encur- It encourages you. You encourage yourself. And then um, connect to a community of believers, be it online right now or it could just be your next door neighbor who's a believer and then when we get back you know you find a church where you where you can fit in and where you can go and you just connect with believers and so those are some things we can do to encourage ourselves but in the absence of that word or letter of encouragement we have got to learn uh to encourage ourselves so we're almost done we'll look at some things we can do but I'll stop here to see if you got any questions no no I think you've you laid it laid it out well. I, as you were describing it, the this image of uh, weightlifting came to mind. Back when I used to work out, it's been a long time. But if you've ever you know lifted weights and had a spotter there with you, mm-hmm. you can do you know nine reps of this heavy weight, and it's easier. But then it gets harder and harder and harder, and you get to that eighth and ninth rep, and all you need is just a couple fingers on that bar to help lift it up and it doesn't they don't take the whole weight but it's amazing how just that little bit and you'll hear your spotter it's all you it's all you I'm just I'm barely even touching it I'm barely even touching it and I I was just thinking of it's just that small amount of encouragement at the right time that can make all the difference and and make what would seem impossible I can't lift this I can't if you're there at the right time with those encouraging words boom so yeah, and if you're wondering, and it, we'll get to this a little bit more, but if you're wondering on how how do you know when to do that, you know, well, how do I know when to give somebody a, an encouraging word? Well, first of all, just always do that. But but I have found that if I pray, uh, and while I'm praying, God brings somebody to my mind, and I hear and I hear that prompting, you need to call this person, check in on them. Then I just okay, I don't need to know the details. Yeah, you know, but just hey. I've uh, been thinking about you. You know, I pray. I'm praying for you. I love you. You know, appreciate your friendship. And then again, it's not. And a lot of times, people are like, "Okay, thank you." <laughs> but sometimes people are like, "You don't know." Yeah. You you called at just the right time. I, this is what I was going through when you called. Um, and it's just and like, well, you know, that's God. Yeah. And so, and again, it's not anything big. It's just. The, I, I like that illustration of the weights. Just, it's all you. It's all you, <laughs> you know. And uh, uh, you know, Sophie's been at our house quite a bit during all this, and we go on walks, and she wants to climb on rocks, and and I'm there behind her, holding her, you know, but letting her do do it herself, so sure. to speak. And it's and it's the it's that that same kind of way. She feels like she's doing it. Well, and just knowing somebody's right there. Yeah. Even if they're not even touching you. Yeah. Helping out, like yeah. 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 Well, like we did last week, um, I got on Facebook and said, hey, my, my topic this Sunday is encourage one another. So what are some tangible ways we can encourage one another? And uh, and here's some things uh, that people said. So this week, you're thinking, what can I do? 
these are things you can do from a distance, um, and uh, and so and and it will serve as encouraging each other. Um, first, recognize and appreciate our diversity in culture and beliefs. You know, your next door neighbor may be from another country, uh, or or just has a, a different set of beliefs, and uh, and you know, find beauty in that. Somebody, there's somebody who put on Facebook that their kids and um, were sitting out by the sidewalk, and every time somebody would walk by they would say something positive to them, you know, and, and mm-hmm. it's kind of funny. I'd probably look at the kid like, what? But, but like one Heckling of them, people with yeah, but one of them was like, Hey, your shirt matches your dog's collar. I like that about you. <laughs> and that was their tagline. I like, they would say something saying, I like that about you. And, uh, and so that's, you know, just appreciate people's differences and tell them that you like them anyway. Um, a lot of people said something to this effect, write a handwritten note or a letter of encouragement to someone. And, and almost all of them would say, you know, that handwritten note is far better or more personal than an email or a text. You know, to take the time and write and to write that. And I would add, pray before you do that. See if God brings particular people to your mind. That, okay, God, I want to send out three letters of notes of encouragement this week. Who should I send them to? And you just wait and see and see who God brings to your mind. Um, be more thoughtful of others, especially those in need. Someone else said this. Send a jar of local honey and individual bags of tea with handwritten notes of encouragement on them. Now, that's specific. And you can send those to 200 Devereux Court, Franklin, Tennessee, 37064. Do you have the title on the lower, <laughs> lower third there? <laughs> yeah, you know, so, but that, that's, that's really good. And the idea of the honey was, you know, we're in allergy season yeah. and local honey helps, uh, helps fight that. Um, write uplifting messages and Bible verses on your sidewalk um, with sidewalk chalk. So when people walk, they see them. And I've seen that around town. Have you seen any of yeah. that? Mm-hmm. I've seen that. And uh, and then they said the cool thing about that is every time it rains, you get to do it again. You know, so uh, so that was good. Uh, when you go through a drive-through, pay it forward. You know, pay for the people's person's meal uh, behind you. Um, give a friend a hug. Now we're social distancing, so my understanding, Misty told me that this is in social distance. You look at people, you cross your fingers, and you do this, and that's how you hug them. Oh, so, okay. you know, we're hugging everybody out there. But give, give somebody a hug. Um, visit the senior citizens you know who have been social distancing and who are feeling lonely. You know, they're not able to, uh, to see people. If you know them, give them a call. Go by. Talk to them through the window. You, you may have seen some of that on the news. Um, tell people what talents they have and how you appreciate their use of them. So I appreciate your talent in doing all this. I appreciate you. All right. Um, drive-by parades to people who need an encouragement. And I've seen that, like, a lot of school teachers have done that. They'll drive through the neighborhood. and uh, But it could be anybody. Or somebody's having a birthday, and they can't have a birthday party. You get a bunch of friends and just drive by their house, sing happy birthday. That's the idea. Drive-by parade. That, that would encourage people. Order meals and then have them delivered to people. So you can order them, you know, Uber Eats and send them to somebody's house. Again, 200, <laughs> Devereux Court, <laughs> Franklin, Tennessee. But, but anyway, so th- those are some things you can do. And then one person put this, and I thought this was a, a really, really uh, good idea, and he called them Barnabas calls because Barnabas means son of encouragement. So he's in, he's in the New Testament, Barnabas, so son of encouragement. So, and so he called them Barnabas calls where you call someone with no other agenda but affirming and encouraging the receiver. That's it. You're just going to call them and just tell them how much you appreciate them and, and no other agenda than that. Um, and so though you may have another idea, but those are just some suggestions that were given on Facebook um, okay. to love, you know, to, to, 
to tell us how to encourage uh, one another. And I, and I think they're all good. I mean, it's just, it can be the most simple thing in the world. Encouragement is, is like that. It doesn't have to be uh, a big anything. It can just be that, that simple, um, man, I really love you and appreciate you. And, and, uh, um, you know, I think you're a good guy. So, yeah. you know, th- those kind of things. And it can, and you never know the timing of that when you say that to people, what it, what it can do. So let's be sensitive to that and let's encourage one another um, as long as we can, as long as we call it today. And uh, so anyway, any yeah. final comments before our prayer of commitment? Uh, no, we'll just do a, a couple announcements. Uh, just to let you know, we have a, a Zoom call uh, today, Sunday at 3 p.m. Is that still, mm-hmm. that's still going on? And then we do it again on Wednesday nights at 6 p.m. Yeah. Um, so you can find that link on our Facebook page, and we'll be sending that out. It's the same one that we've been doing there. Uh, as a companion piece to this sermon, we are also going to put out a short um, kind of a guided meditation audio version of the study guide, essentially. So be on the lookout for that. We'll have a, a, a video version on YouTube that will uh, be posted, and it's just the audio. Um, but if you subscribe to the podcast, Floods of Justice, it will come automatically to your uh to your phone. So be on the lookout for that and find a quiet place that you can kind of sit and, and think about what we're talking about today. Other than that, um, that's all the announcements I know of. Anything you want to add? Yeah, just one thing I want to add. Um, we started this a couple of weeks ago. Brad Davis has been doing this. Um, you've heard us talk a lot uh, about our, our ministry on death row, and we have a, a guy on death row, one of the inmates, uh, Kevin Burns, who we ordained a couple years ago and have helped him start a church on death row called Church of Life. And so, um, you know, he, he gets to preach to the other inmates once a week. Um, but what he's done also is he, he calls Brad and he preaches the sermon that he's going to preach in his church service over the phone to Brad. And then Brad puts that up on YouTube. And so um, the way that's, that's working is at 7 o'clock on Wednesday night, there will be a premiere where you can listen to it. Obviously, it's audio um, where you can listen to it and then chat with other people who are listening to it. And then it's available anytime after that. Right. And so, um, and so, seven o'clock on Wednesday nights. Go to, to our, our YouTube channel, and you'll see uh, a sermon by Kevin Burns. You can go back. There's, I think, there's about three of them up right now. Three sermons by by KB uh, that you can go listen to. And that's the same way with Sunday mornings at eight a.m. If you want to, uh, the, this YouTube or this video will be available anytime after Sunday. But at eight a.m., it's a preview. Eight a.m. Central Time. And you can listen to it and watch us and uh, and chat with other people who are watching at the same time. And that's that's pretty cool. We're giving you permission to talk during our sermon, so that's uh, that's cool. All right. Well, here's our prayer of commitment for this week. As you go throughout your week, may you be an ambassador of peace and grace, whether you are in the parking lot or on a playground. May Jesus lead you through the gateway of another week with the good news that life is worth living. Regardless of what you do or where you are, grace abounds. May you go forth with eyes open to see the miracles of God's world, and may the love and peace of God sustain you and all those you love, wherever they may be. May you be renewed and refreshed. May you be encouraged, and may you encourage others. We pray this in the name of the greatest encourager, Jesus Christ. Amen. Floods of Justice podcast looks at the issues of our day from a biblical perspective without the labels. Join the conversation online at floodsofjustice.com or find the Reverend Dr. Kevin Riggs on Twitter at Riggs underscore Kevin.